campus is so excited. We'll be ministering to around 830 kids in a course of four days. Um, so pray for our team of 19 that we can handle that many kids. Um, but it'll be a really good time, and we're just excited for what God's going to do. I'm going to ask a weird question. So are you ready? It's a strange question. Has anyone in this room ever died before? <laughs> weird question, right? When I was 11, uh, I had about, uh, I would say from the age of five until about 15, I had pretty uh, severe asthma, and it was seasonal asthma. So every winter, I had the unfortunate uh, thing of not being able to breathe in the wintertime in Florida. And uh, for about four consecutive Christmases, I found myself in the hospital uh, with this asthma. And one of them, it was pretty, pretty bad. My mom uh, had told me, she said, hey, you know, I think we need to take you. The, you know, treatments that we're doing here at the house aren't helping. So they took me to the hospital. It was about a 40-minute car ride to the hospital. We get there, and uh, the doctor proceeds to give me a new kind of medicine. Little did they know that I would be allergic to that medicine, that it would, in a matter of moments, stop my heart. And I actually died for, uh, I think the doctor had said, three minutes it took to resuscitate me and bring me back to life. At that point, they rushed me to a, a really well-known hospital in Florida called Shands, uh, which is affiliated with the University of Florida. And there I found myself in the ICU for two weeks on recovery. I'll never forget it, though. When I had woken up from this state, I obviously it wasn't like this. Um, I didn't enter the gates of heaven. I didn't see some bright light, none of that. But I remember the doctor saying, hey, you had died. We brought you back to life. And I just remember as a little kid, a little 11-year-old kid thinking, man, I'm so grateful to be alive. Like, there's just something about being alive. Come on, are you grateful to be alive this morning, right? To have breath in our lungs this morning. Like, it's amazing. And when I think about physical death and, and dying and things like that, I also think about what it means to follow Jesus. See, we're in this series uh, on Ephesians. And Ephesians is such a rich book about so many different things, but specifically what it means to live the new life in Christ. And um, this morning, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to, to take some good notes. The title of the message this morning is called Live the New Life. Live the New Life. Last week, Pastor Jeremy did such an amazing job kicking us off as Carl said he had a, a really big task of kind of summarizing Ephesians and telling us uh, about they all lived. And I, I just, man, I just loved the message. And so this week I want to focus on what does it mean to be alive in Christ, that we're no longer dead, right? Because of Jesus, we're alive forevermore. And Paul, as Pastor Carl just read in Ephesians 4, lays out what this new life means. And I want to highlight a couple of verses here. He tells us, so he says, no longer go on, continue living like the Gentiles do. What does that mean? It means that the world has a way of living, and the world's way of living always leads to death, right? The world's way of living always leads us into a place where there's hopelessness, there's no life. It might feel good in the moment, but ultimately it leads to death. And because of Jesus, now he paid the ultimate price, the portion we couldn't pay to give us life and life abundantly. It says they 
are darkened in their understanding and separated, I want you to highlight this, from the life of God. It's crazy when I look at our world and our landscape today and even throughout history to think there's so many people that have lived their entire life not knowing the life of God. What an amazing, amazing opportunity we have as Christ followers to know what the life of God is, feels like, sounds like. I think about going to Honduras next week, and there's going to be probably people there who have never heard of the life of God. And I think, man, in this moment right now, as I'm preaching here on this stage, there's people in other countries who have never heard the name of Jesus that brings them into the life of God, and they're dead. And as Christ followers, we have the opportunity to share that good news. Paul goes on, In this scripture, he says that, however, is not the way of life you've learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught him in accordance with truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off what? Your old self, right? To bury your old self. Can I just say this? If you are a Christ follower in this room, your old self is dead. Leave it dead. Stop going back to a dead body. Leave it dead. You have a new life. In Christ. You know that every person that is born into this planet, as cute as a little baby is, they are dead. Because of Adam and Eve and first sin and all the tragic events that happened in Genesis and Israel's rebellion and they're coming back to God and they're going away from God and all the prophets and, and eventually we come to the point of Jesus on the cross. And it's the best part of the story because without Jesus on the cross, none of us know what it means to truly be alive. It's wild to think about that every person born into this planet is automatically dead. They're on a stretcher just as, uh, obviously I didn't see what was going on, but my mom retold me stories of the doctors performing CPR and having to do the, you know, where they bump you back to life. I don't know what that's called. Sorry if you're a doctor in here. But um, yeah, like, I, I just can't even imagine, like, what that must have felt like or, or even been like. I, I wasn't obviously there until they brought me back to life. But everyone in this world is born into death and then in Christ. Man, I love that. In Christ. We're a new creation that the old truly is gone and the new has come. I also want to say this. I think it's, it's very possible to be uh, a church. I want, to, I want to classify this and be careful to classify. A church attending person, someone who is, uh, let's just say they, they would, if someone, a stranger asked them on the street, do you believe? They'd say, yeah, I have, I have faith of some kind. I think it's very possible to be in a church and still be dead. Because it's not a religion that saves you. It's a man named Jesus who died on a cross, who bled for you, who raises you up. Now, the beauty of being in a church like this is that you're surrounded by believers who love Jesus, who are following Jesus, and that compels you to want to be like them. But I can personally say I, I was in a church all of my upbringing. Until the age of 18, I was dead. 
I was just following religion. I was going through the motions. And yeah, there were some points in the journey where obviously God spoke to me, and, and I think he was kind of yearning me closer to him. But I can say that I, I was in a church and I was dead too. And so I want to encourage you, just going to church is not what Jesus only requires. Jesus says, listen, I want all of you. I want your life. I want the old ways. I want the sinful nature. I want the, the habits that you just can't break. I, I want all those things because I paid for them to give you a new life that's so much better. We did this last time I preached. I want you to look to your neighbor, either on your right or left. I don't care which one. And I want you to ask them this question. Ask them, how do I look and smell? Go ahead, ask them that. How do I look and smell? <laughs> Some of you are like, man, I don't want to tell them this, but they might need a shower. (laughs) How we look and smell. Listen, as a Christ follower, there is a fragrance on our life. Come on, can I get an amen for that? There's a fragrance on our life that is tangible, that is alive. Just as I said a couple weeks ago, there is a glow on our life as a Christ follower. But I would even go beyond that, that there's a smell that people can tell that you've been in the presence of Jesus. Do people know that you've been in the presence of Jesus? Can they sense it? Can they see it? Can they smell it? Is, it? is the love of God so on you that no matter where you go, it doesn't matter if you're on an evangelism team or you're on a mission trip, that you're just spreading the good news wherever you go? Church, this world is dead and it needs life in Jesus and we have that life to be able to share with the world. If you're taking notes, write this down. My one and only point this morning is this. In Christ, we are made alive to live a life fully alive. In case you needed permission this morning to live fully alive, what does that mean? That you can praise God no matter where you're at. You can lift your hands, you can clap, you can sing as loud as you want, even when it's off tune. Listen, you are alive in Christ. In Christ, we are made alive to live a life fully alive. Christianity is not boring. It's not dead. It's not some old tradition. It is alive. It's active. It has a smell. There's a sound about it. There's just something that's so potent about it. And I love that Paul's language in Ephesians gives us kind of this, this terminology that as believers, we're called to live this life fully alive. And so how do we do this? What does it look like to be alive? I know that might kind of be like oxymoron for a second. Like, what do you mean? Uh, Following Jesus, duh. But I think there's some practical things that we can do in order to align ourselves to this life with God. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Is being alive makes noise on your life. Listen, it just does. Being alive, there's something that happens when you come back to life and the old self is dead and you get this new life in Christ. I love watching people come out of the water in baptism because there's just this joy on their face that they realize that the old self is buried under those waters and the new self has risen. There's something beautiful that happens. I love watching someone who doesn't know anything about Jesus and they give their life to Jesus and forever they're changed. 
Remember in Florida, I uh, had, had kind of the honor of officiating a couple funerals, and um, one of the funerals that I, I wasn't like the main preacher at, but I was one of the preachers at it, was an African-American funeral. Now, African-American funerals are next level um, noisy. And I say that because they are just the biggest celebration imaginable. Be ready to be there at least four hours. Uh, they have a full gospel worship team, and uh, people get up and dance. I mean, it was the most lively scene imaginable. And I remember leaving that day feeling like, you know, funerals are normally sad. You're losing someone. But that funeral was alive. There was noise on it. Listen, there's noise on our life when we come back from the dead in life in Jesus. There's noise that happens on our life. Our alive bodies make noise in a dead world. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, it says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What does Paul say? He doesn't say, maybe be filled with the Spirit when you feel like it. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Why? Why should you be filled with the Spirit? Because the Spirit is the thing that gives you power in a powerless world. The Spirit is the one that leads you into all truth. He is the one that when you feel like, should I get this thing? Should I make this decision? He's the one that leads you and comforts you, is with you. He goes on to say, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make noise from your heart. What does he say? He doesn't say to be quiet, right? He doesn't say, hey, when you come to Jesus and you have this new life, just kind of be quiet to yourself. He says, make noise. Church, it's okay to make noise. It's okay to sing songs to one another. It's okay to praise Jesus and to thank him for his goodness because it's without his goodness that you don't even know who you are. But when his goodness comes, it leads you into truth. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. Always giving thanks. You know, when I think about Paul's life, there's a lot of it that I'm like, why should he be giving thanks? He's imprisoned. He's beaten. He's shipwrecked. He's thrown off the side of a cliff. He's, stones are thrown at him. His old way of life. He had prestige and influence, and now he doesn't. There's really not a lot to be thankful for, but Paul realizes that it's not about those things, that it's about the new life in Christ to give thanks. And even in the times where you don't feel like giving praise, to continue to give praise. Number two is this, being alive means to walk in wisdom. My goodness, do we need wisdom in this world. In an age of craziness, of an age of anxiety and outrage, we need wisdom from the Lord like never before. Lucius uh, Lactanius says this, the first point of wisdom is to discern that which is false, the second to know which is true. Right? So the first process, again, partnership to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit leads you into all truth. The Spirit is the one who helps guide you. He helps also to discern that which is false, that which is error. When the enemy comes against you and says, oh, Josh, you remember how you used to live. You remember when you were addicted to pornography and you struggled with anxiety. You, you remember that way of life, right? You should go back. The Spirit is there to help you discern and say, no, that's false. I know the way of truth. 
and Jesus is leading me into that truth? Do you have the voice of discernment on your life to be able to walk in wisdom and to discern which is false and true? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, be very careful then how you live. Ooh, that's a big statement. When I think about this, I don't think that Paul is saying you need to live a perfect life where you can't ever talk about the things that are wrong with you and the world just needs to see a perfect version of yourself. I think what Paul is actually saying is to be careful because people are watching. It's a Christ follower people know. If you say, hey man, I, I believe in Jesus. I follow the way of Jesus. People are looking at your life. And a lot of times, unfortunately, because we live in a, in a especially in the West, we live in such a, a toxic environment that just feeds on negativity. We, people are looking at us to fail. As sad and as sick as that is, there are people that are out there right now who are waiting and they're hoping churches fail. And I think as believers, we have a responsibility to showcase the love, and God, the love of God on our life, the goodness of God on our life, the grace of God on our life to the world. It goes on, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. I want to I preach to myself for a second and to everyone in this room. Do we make the most of every opportunity given to us? When there's someone at your work who expresses that they're going through a trial or a season, or maybe you're at Sheets and you're getting some kind of food or filling your gas tank and you notice something that's off with someone, do we make the most of every opportunity to share the goodness of God? I'd like to say, man, as a pastor, I bat it 100%, but I don't. Last week, I was at uh, Dollar General over by Marietta and I was in there picking something up for the family and there's a woman and her child in there, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to go minister. And, and I'm just going to be transparent. The, the fear inside me stopped me from going to her. But there's been other times in my life where the Holy Spirit has been leading me to share the goodness of God, and I've, and I've reacted in boldness. And it's scary, it's frightening, but I'm telling you, man, there's something powerful when you listen to the voice that leads you into wisdom. There's something powerful that happens when you start to discern and you start to listen to the voice of the Lord. Paul says, because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do we not be foolish? We pray in and ask the Lord, give us wisdom. When everyone else is acting a fool around us, we say, Jesus, we need your wisdom. We need you to be the great chief and captain to lead the way for us into all truth. Number three, if you're taking notes, is this. Being alive means living like Christ. I want to say that again. Being alive means living like Christ. Living like Christ, again, it doesn't mean perfection. It just simply means I'm going to listen and obey the ways of Jesus and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right? I'm going to trust that his ways are higher than my own ways. I'm going to trust that his leading is better than my own leading, that his truth is the ultimate truth, and that God ultimately is the one who is leading the way before me. I was three years into ministry in Florida, and a mentor of mine, a pastor, uh, he mentored me for about a year, and just a really like sound guy, like so, just so to this day, man, I'm just blown away at how much wisdom 
this guy has. His name is Jordan Vale, and uh, he actually now uh, runs the college extension site that I graduated from there in, in Ocala. And never forget this. One day I was sitting across from him over coffee, and I said, Jordan, what? Like, help me understand. Like, I, I just want to, like, be led by the Lord. I want to be led by him. I want to live a life that's worthy of the call on my life. I just want to be where Jesus is. And he, and he says this, the greatest spiritual discipline you can learn is listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He will direct your ways and help you to live a life worthy of the call of Christ. And at the time, I was like, that's it? Give me like a three-step program. How do I do that, right? But it's as simple as that. Do we listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit to lead us into the new life of Christ, to put off the old self. Listen, your, your old self is dead. It's gone. Jesus paid for it on the cross, and so let it go. Let it go. You don't need it anymore. You have a brand new life in Christ that's filled with adventure, that's filled with excitement, that gives you breath in your lungs, that fills you. Paul says in Romans 6, Six, he says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. What does that mean? That your old self, man, it's, it's up there. It's on a cross. It's crucified. It's gone. You don't have to worry about it. It doesn't matter what you did. There's, there's so many believers I know that are living in shame today because they think about what they did long ago. Jesus paid for that. Jesus paid for your present. If you're in here today and you're saying, Josh, I'm hopeless. I don't have hope. I feel like I'm dead. Jesus paid for that. Listen, Jesus knows that tomorrow you're going to make a mistake. You're going to fall short of the grace of God. And he paid for that because he loves you, because he has a plan for your life. How we live really does determine if we're dead or alive. And so I want to ask you that. Are you alive today? Could you, without a shadow of a doubt, say, Josh, today I am alive in Jesus. If not, man, I want you to find me after service and I want to pray with you. That Jesus would meet you and that he would reveal what the good life is. You know, I'll never forget when Beck and I were thinking about coming here and I was looking on our church website. There's a place on the website that talks about uh, living the good life and what that means. And I thought, I love that. I love that we display for people what it means to live the good life. That some of us in this place, we've tasted and we've seen the goodness of God and we'll continue to see the goodness of God. Are we alive? Finally, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what does that mean? means that if anyone comes to the name of Jesus, professes with their mouth, believes in their heart that he is who he says he is. Watch this. Paul says, the new creation has come. Come on. Praise Jesus that the new creation has come and the old has gone. That we don't have to live in that old self anymore. The new's here. Love that he leaves the exclamation point at the end of that. But the new is here. It's something to be excited about. It's something to be joyful about. It's something to make noise. And the world is quiet. So I want to leave us with a kind of an activation and challenge for this week. If you're in this place and maybe you're just like, man, I, I want to live that life. I want to know what the presence of God looks like. 
Um, when I was in college, one of my professors led me to a book called uh, Practicing the, uh, or the Practice of the Presence of God by uh, Brother Lawrence. It's an old-timey book, but this book is so good. And it's uh, about a monk who lived in a monastery who just kind of did ordinary things. Uh, he was a cook. And he found out that in the mundane things like cooking and preparing food that he encountered the presence of God. And so all of us do mundane, ordinary things every day of our life, right? Some of you who are farmers in here, you might be out in the fields tomorrow. Some of you might be working in a hospital tomorrow, just going through the motions of working. But in those places, what I found is that when we encounter the presence of God, we leave so transformed that the world can smell, they can see, and they can taste the goodness of our life from God. So the activation is this. Number one is uh, <clears throat> I want you to journal sometime this week and write down three things every single day that you're thankful for. So that would be from today until next Sunday. Every day you're writing down three things that you're thankful for and then give God worship, whatever that looks like. You could have a praise break in the middle of your house. You could, uh, you could sing quietly if there's you know, a favorite song, but give God worship. Here's what I know. When we thank God, it realigns our thoughts and blocks out that negativity to be focused on his goodness. And that goodness begins to transform our life. Practicing the presence. And then number two, I think all of us in this room, no matter how busy we are, we have at least 30 minutes to spare. And here's what I want you to do in 30 minutes. I just want you to listen and worship. Nothing else. You don't need to come to God with your agenda and pray for this and this and this. Just come to him and quiet your soul. It's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. As someone who has a four-year-old who's crazy and running around a lot, wakes us up early, it's hard. It's hard. But those moments that I get to spend and just listen, makes me realize, man, I'm so grateful for the life I now have in Christ, that the old is gone, the old way of thinking is gone, and the new is here, has come. Can I pray for us? Father, I am keenly aware that in this room, there is plenty of us who know what the good life and the new life is, but Father, I'm also aware that whether in this room or online, there's maybe some people who don't know what that good life looks like feels like, smells like, tastes like. And so Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would make yourself evident to those individuals. That they would see your goodness. They would see the price that Jesus paid on the cross. That they would desire the new life. That they would want something other than their old dead self. Lord, would you transform us? Pray for those in this room who are professing believers and who love you and follow you. I pray that you would give us boldness to share with a dead world the goodness of God. That for the rest of our days, we would follow you, Jesus. We would know you. We would be aware of you. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Josh. It's just helpful to be reminded of the simple joy of being alive and the profound meaning of what that means to be made alive in Christ. 
So I invite you to carry that with you as you go from this place today. If you'd like someone to pray with you, um, uh, Josh and I will both be here at the front to pray with you. If you'd like to receive some prayer, someone to agree with you in prayer. Um, As I said earlier, our next steps hour follows at 1030. Uh, There'll be some, there are hot drinks ready in in the lobby. Uh, The next steps hour includes classes, as you see listed there, uh, classes for uh, children and teens.